Welcome to the New Books Network. Hi, and thanks for joining us for another episode of Self-Control Through Torah. I'm David Gottlieb, Director of Jewish Studies at the Spurtis Institute for Jewish Learning and Leadership in Chicago. And I'm Modia Silva, a psychotherapist and author in Toronto, Canada. And if you haven't joined us before, you might not know what we're up to, and sometimes we don't either. But generally speaking, this is what it is. We are going through every Torah portion of the week from beginning to end, at least that's our goal, using the pioneering work of Musar, Rabbi Menachem Mendel Leffen's Cheshbon HaNefesh, to guide us through the different character traits and what each Torah portion teaches us. We stay on one trait for four weeks, so we go through four Torah portions for each midah, and then we move on to the next midah. And this, Moja, I believe, is our fourth and final uh, uh, episode on the midah of Seder, or order. And it is also the last parsha in the book of Genesis. With this parsha, the age of the patriarchs comes to an end, uh, and we move into the period of uh, life in Egypt, enslavement, and the work of uh, Moshe, Moses, to uh, try to free the people from their enslavement. In this Torah portion, Vayechi, um, we see uh, Jacob's final blessings, some of which are quite ambivalent to his sons, in which he sort of tells them, precisely what their defining characteristic and trait is. And we see that he uh, asks to be buried in the cave of Machpelah with his ancestors and with his beloved wife, right, Rachel. Uh, So there's a lot that goes on here and uh, a lot about the Midah of order. And I wonder um, what insights you have for us on this issue and topic. Well, David, you know me by now. Um, for those of you listening, David and I have been learning together for, we, we don't know how long, but we think somewhere around 18 years. Jacob's lifespan was 147 years. I think we're close to that. <laughs> um, so I like to go back. I like to take your question, David, and then ignore it and pick my own question. <laughs> We do that to each other all the time. It's totally fine. But I was thinking when you just said this is the last Pasha of the book of the last Torah portion of the book of Genesis of Bereshit, that I was like, okay, so let's go back to the beginning and see that this is the book of the patriarchs or patriarchs and matriarchs. And if we go back to the very beginning, then to the first opening chapters, that we see that the world exists because of order. Without order, pre-order, there was just chaos, right? And if we think about that today in my life, then it's like I have to think about who I am in this world and is there chaos or order inside me and is there chaos and order or order outside of me in my life? So that's the lens that I am coming to in general, but in the last four weeks as we've been doing these episodes of order, um, and then I think it's like, well, how much order do I actually have? And being a, being an observant Jew, I have a ton of order, right? 
what time was Shabbat last week? Oh, it, it was Friday night, right? No, it was Friday at 4.19 p.m. Yeah, isn't that amazing? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And so as Jew, you know, everyone else just has a calendar. I think I heard this from a stand-up comedian, right? Everyone else has a calendar and it's like got months and days, but Jews have to have hours, minutes, and seconds as well in their calendar. <clears throat> so we know down to the moment what the impact of order or disorder does to our nervous system and to our lives in general. So I want to come at this whole thing today by talking about how order comes from the claret from clarity of the mind and so we need to organize our minds so that we can then organize our lives that's that's the platform that i want to talk from that's beautiful okay so Please shall I... instruct us <clears throat> okay so i'm looking for clarity and i want to do it through order and i think it's quite simple like simple to explain and difficult to implement um, mm -hmm. I could just go, I could go into my office right now and show you like papers all over the floor and, you know, everything's disorderly. I know where it all is, but it's not very orderly. So I recognize that what I'm just about to say is really simple, but really difficult. Sim right. Simple, but complex. Um, start with knowing what you want to accomplish, which means know who you are, like figure out your identity. And I think we've seen that all the way through this book of Genesis is that the main characters are constantly trying to figure out their identity. So we start this podcast by you stating your identity or one of your identities, right? And then I state one of my identities. And that then leads you to say, okay, given that identity, what is my goal? What are my physical goals? What are my spiritual goals? And we do a lot of that in the month of Elul leading up to Rosh Hashanah, but we can do it constantly. Right. Right. And then break down that goal into something smaller. So this is just, this is like coaching 101, right? I think coaching 101 is all about order. But Yeah. Yeah. But I think you made a really important point, which is that the whole book of Breshit is about order. The book doesn't begin with the story of the Israelite people, it begins with the creation of the world. And the creation of the world is separating matter and making order out of tohu vavohu, right? Formlessness and void. So the very act that defines our existence, the very compassionate, loving act of creation that permits us to exist is the creation of order. Something else that I've been thinking about a lot is uh, um, because of the blessings that uh, Jacob gives his sons uh, in this concluding uh, uh, parsha is what kind of sense of order and sense of identity we bestow upon our kids. My darling beloved mother is 100 years old now. Um, may her. she live to 120. She's still with us. Life is getting very difficult. Uh, she fell recently and broke her leg. Uh, she may not walk again. <clears throat> She's on hospice care. And the tables some time ago uh, turned where, you know, um, really for the last 15 years or so, um, the six of us of her children were caring for her and my father, Oliva Sholem, uh, rather than the other way around. The first two decades of our lives had been we had depended on them the last two decades of their lives 
they're dependent uh, upon us. And it makes me think about my kids are watching me go through this with my mother. My son asked me a wonderful question. He asked me, what's harder, raising a child from infancy and complete helplessness or caring for a parent as they descend into it? And I know that my kids are watching us very closely. Uh, my, my wife's mother is in her 90s as well and has some health issues. And they want to see how we can move through these transitions with order. And one of the ways that you teach kids order is by showing them how you handle disorder and decay and disintegration and other things that are uh, that are falling apart. And of course, your idea of order changes over time. So many years ago, I don't remember how many years I've been doing this from now, every year on Father's Day, I write each child a letter about how life is occurring to me, what sort of order it does and doesn't have, what I've learned from them in the year and the things that I hope for them. For me, this is sort of a more benevolent um, aspect of what a uh, version of what Jacob does because some of his blessings are very backhanded compliments. But even as our kids grow up and become adults, we have to model for them what order is. And Jacob provides a specific model of that, which in some ways is compassionate and some ways is not. And I think about him um, and I think about him on his deathbed um, hmm. more and more as I get older, because I think um, uh, we are, we are, becoming more and more aware as we get older of our mortality and our kids are watching us age and they want to know how we maintain order in that situation. I, I, I love that. And I love that uh, exercise that you go through on Father's Day. Bringing it back a little bit to Musa, there's a famous uh, Musa Rebbe, Rebbe Yerachim Levovitz, who was the um, spirit, he was the Mishkiach, he was the spiritual counselor at the Mir Yeshiva, at the famous Mir Yeshiva. And he used to review his order every day at the same time. So there is, so I love that he did that and you're doing it every Father's Day. And I find that quite inspirational. It makes me think I need to do that. Not need to, but would like to do something like that for my kids also. And pause. How do you... I'm, I'm curious about... Uh... You know, you you have, uh, I think, 213 children. Is that right? Well, maybe more. I just, I lost count. <laughs> I, have, I, have, uh, I have five. Five, five kids. children. There's a wide age range between them. And I wonder, um, you know, if you think about order with respect to, um, with respect to legacy, you know, as your oldest two kids are adults, um, your youngest three are not. Um, it is, it is, uh, interesting to me how, uh, how, uh, Jacob imparts, uh, a, a sense of the self to the kids, even though they're already grown, there's something about the blessings that he imparts that reveals something, something to each child that they may not have known about themselves. We don't have such rich rules usually in in our lives and i think um the notion of order that jacob imparts 
is that uh, they have to swear certain things to him, as we see in verse 31 of chapter 7. Uh, he said, "Do me well, earlier on, he says, do me this favor, place your hand under my thigh as a pledge of your steadfast loyalty. Please do not bury me in Egypt. When I lie down with my fathers, take me up from Egypt and bury me in their burial place. And Jacob lies down with his fathers. Um, uh, he was ga He's gathered to his ancestors, which is a kind of summation of order of the entire life of the patriarchal and matriarchal family. But what he says to his sons is also a kind of summation and order of all the pain and suffering and miraculous triumph that the family has has gone through. And I think about this now with respect to kids as I watch my mother enter her 101st year and I and I see our kids watching us get older. Yeah, I, I think it's very interesting when we named our kids, when we name each child, as as we saw in the last few parshas, when when the twelve sons and Dina get named, um, it's aspirational. The name is supposed to contain the plan or the dream or the hope that we have for that child. Yes, exactly. And then we go through their life, or they go through their life, and we sit partly on the sidelines and partly trying to influence them and guide them towards that dream that we had. And it takes a certain order. And then at some point, I think order you have to let go of and say, now they're on their own. And is it going to shift to disorder or will will there have been enough momentum placed into their life that they'll actually fulfill that dream? Right, right. Speaking of the fulfillment of dreams and the maintenance of order in the family, um, I'm so troubled when this happens in Torah, and it happens again here, when Joseph goes to bless Ephraim and Menashe, and the hands are crossed, and Jake, Joseph tries to correct him. He says, nah, uh, this is uh, 48 verse 18, not so, Father, Joseph said to his father. For the other is the firstborn. Place your right hand on his head. But his father objected, saying, I know, my son, I know. He too shall become a people, and he too shall be great. Yet his younger brother shall be greater than he, and his offspring shall be plentiful enough for nations. Um, I'm very curious. Uh, I've never been, uh, been able to find why this sort of cross-up is such a constant theme in Torah and what it says about maintenance of order in family life. I just, I don't, I don't know what to make of it, but then there's the blessing that we still say over sons. Uh, may God make you like Ephraim and Menashe. Uh, and then Jacob says uh, toward in uh, 48 verse 21, I'm about to die, but God will be with you and bring you back to the land of your fathers. So, uh, but doesn't Joseph not get back to the land of his fathers except to be reburied? Yes, correct, correct. So but to me, yeah, I just wanted to say that to me, um, this indicates that all our efforts to create order exist, go on well beyond the horizon of our lives. And we have to be very conscious that what we do has, uh, uh, What's the word? A consequences that reverberate long past when we might know. And that means every action is highly significant and order is a 
very important component of that. And I think there are multiple orders. There's the order that we as mere humans, as mortals, think that we are putting into place. And then there's a higher order, right? There's the divine order. And so <clears throat> I'm also troubled. I, I I'm also troubled by this whole hand crossing thing between Ephraim and Manasseh. And that so I was digging into it, and the best I got, because the best I got was the following. The in Pasha Pinchas that we'll get to much, much, much later in the year is the opposite. Manasseh comes before Ephraim. And they're talking about it as they talk about the heads of the flag groups of the of the um, in the tribes when they're in the wilderness, and so it, it it does toggle back and forth, and we've seen this right with Jacob and Esau, with Yaakov and Esav, that, and we've seen it with Yaakov's name, with Yaakov and Yisrael, and there's this constant back and forth through the through the vein of their life that makes you question what's going on, so. What I've seen, <clears throat> Reb Chaim of Velazhen, who was the primary student of the Vilna Gaon, and he was the founder of a big yeshiva in Velazhen in Lithuania, which became the model for all modern-day yeshivas. <clears throat> so he's one generation, or I guess two generations before the founding of the Musa movement, but he really was a Musa guy. He had he had a Musa vad. Uh -huh. Right, a Musa group in his yeshiva, just like he was part of the Vilna Gaon's Musa, Musa group when he was younger. Yeah. Right. So he says that this whole hand switching that puts Ephraim before Menasha is really to teach us that Ephraim represents spirituality and Menasha represents physicality. And even though Menasha was born first, and so really from a familial point of view, he should have got the blessing first. But Yaakov knew that he wanted to give a spiritual blessing to trump a physical blessing. And that, that maybe that's the lesson that we're supposed to take out of this Pasha is that the order that we have to place in our life is spirituality comes before physicality. What do you think? That's beautiful. And I think that's the higher kind of order. Yeah, that's the higher kind of order that we are uh, to pursue in our lives, uh, spirituality over physicality. I think it's also interesting that uh, when Jacob summons his children, he's planning, he tells them he's going to tell them what's going to happen to them in the future, but he doesn't do that. That's actually not what he does. He actually, as we've mentioned before in this conversation, says something about the essence of each child. In uh, the Midrash Breshit Rabbah, the rabbis say that it's because the spirit of prophecy departed from Jacob at that moment, that he, he, he had, he believed he was having an insight and then he didn't. Uh, but it also could be that we're not meant to know what the future is, right? And part of order is you have to maintain a certain sequence of events and a certain humility within that because you never know what the consequences of your action is going to be. Um, Rav Naftali of Ropschitz said, uh, when Jacob looked into the future, he saw all the quarreling and bloodshed that was going to befall his descendants, and prophecy cannot exist where there is grief and sadness. So, um, you know, we, that the future depends 
on our character, but there is no preordained script um, as to what we're going to follow. This is what the, again, what the commentary in the Eitz Chaim says. And I think um, with respect to order, we really are bidden to put spiritual order first, that physical order and being planful, as they say, and trying to make sure that we can control the consequences of our actions and the influence of our might and of our vigor um, can lead us astray and cause trouble down the road. In other words, what I learned from this parsha about order is that there is a certain humility and restriction of focus to it. And this is also what I've learned from you from studying with you over the years. I would say I'm less observant in the traditional sense than you are, but I've learned a great deal, not only about text from you, but also about order, the things one does each day, each year at certain fixed times and the kind of, uh, not only halachic, but spiritual structure that that provides for one to get through one's day. Hmm. Thank you. That's David. That's really kind of you as well. Because I like to enumerate the things I've learned from you as well <clears throat> over the years. It, the, when we're talking about spirituality and versus physicality, it makes me think of there's a famous uh, Musa story that you and I have shared many times about how you take a chain of pearls and and the pearls are bright, shiny objects. And that's where I want to look. I want to focus my attention on the bright, shiny things, which is the physicality. And then we know that if you remove the clasp from this chain of pearls, all the pearls fall apart and you lose the order of those pearls. So I think one of the teachings of that Musa um, metaphor of the chain of pearls is that the clasp is the spirituality that holds physicality together. And I know we're going to, I'm jumping ahead, way, way ahead, but we're going to get to Moses pretty soon. And Rabbi, um, oh my gosh, Malevsky, Rabbi Uziel Malevsky, who used to be chief rabbi of Mexico City, and then was a, a, a big teacher at Osameach, at the Yeshiva Osameach. Um, he talks about the name Moses, because we're talking about names here. And he says Moshe has this connection to water. And the connection is all the way back to Genesis, to the to when, when Hashem, when God separated the waters above from the waters below. And that what really happened was it was a separation of spirituality and physicality. And that mm. Moses' entire mission because of his name, is to reunite physicality and spirituality into one. And I think that that's like my wow. challenge. I think it's your challenge. I think it's all our challenges is for me in particular, how do I operate in the physical world, which I do, and yet not get lured to only look at bright, shiny objects, at the pearls? How do I constantly say the most important part of this chain is actually the clasp, is the spiritual piece? That's my challenge. Wow. I love that. And for me, <clears throat> the challenge is the words that conclude the book of Genesis, which is um, the last words are a coffin in Egypt. The very last words of the book of Genesis foreshadow what is to come. And I think despite um, all of jo Joseph's singular successes, 
um, at the end of the book, he dies in a strange place and he's put in a coffin uh, in a strange place. He's alienated from the place of his origins and the land that he was uh, born to really occupy and live within. The message to me here is that if we estrange ourselves from the kind of order uh, that Rabbi Leffen is talking about and that the lessons of this parsha talk about, we can wind up in a coffin in Egypt. We can wind up um, alienated from the true source of our identity um, in a in a situation and in a context that seals us there potentially forever. This is an admonition and a warning, I think, about the different kinds of enslavement that can result from a lack of order. Wow, I just had this image. That's that's amazing. I'm going to try and hold on to that thought that you just said for Pesach, for the Seder table, because it's, it's estrangement and alienation once you're in that coffin, but it's also restriction. You can't move if you were put into right. a coffin, assuming you're still alive, right? Right, right. So order does require some sort of constraints, but obviously not too much constraint such that you feel like you're in a coffin. Right. And it is, the Midrash says that it is Moses who appeals to Joseph when they're getting ready to leave Egypt. Nobody can find his coffin. And the promise was made that Joseph would be taken out of Egypt and, and buried in Canaan. Moses can't find his coffin. He ra finally stands by the Nile and pleads with Joseph to make the location of his coffin known. And the Midrash says that they place Joseph's coffin in the Nile to bless the waters of the Nile. Mm. And that when Moses pleaded with Joseph to show himself, the coffin immediately floated to the surface of the Nile. There's a kind of very interesting psychological message there that even, uh, even uh, beyond the span of our lifetime, um, the consequences of our actions can ideally provide blessing in the form for the Egyptians having Joseph's coffin in the Nile of fertility um, and plenty. But for the Israelites, it's also um, returning. It's tshuva. It's returning to the place of origin and to the proper sense of order that ideally speaking guides our lives from moment to moment. Wow. That makes me think back to your writing letters to your kids every Father's Day, that this whole thing about blessing for the future makes me think about what is the legacy that I'm that I am going to leave with my children. Mm -hmm. And um and then once I know what that legacy is, my purpose, then I, I come back to order. And so how am I going to break that down into little pieces so that I actually get to do what I want to do? Yeah. Should we end on that note? I think that's a great note to end on. And chazak, chazak, v'yit chazak. Chazak, v'nit chazak. We've learned a lot from each other and hopefully imparted little tiny shreds of wisdom to our listeners. And uh, for our next episode, we will move into the book of Exodus and the Midah of? The Midah of something called Haritsut, which we'll have to peel apart very carefully because a straight English translation would say diligence, but we'll see. We'll, we'll see as we explore it. Okay. 
I'm very much looking forward to that. Thanks again for joining us for another episode of Self-Control Through Torah. I'm David Gottlieb. And I'm Modia Silva. We'll Thanks see so much. Yeah, thank you. Take care.